Hi, Natalie. Hi, Tracy. We're going to continue our conversation about how we stay out of judgment and shift into a space of curiosity. Yes. It was was a really good conversation. Well, and it covers so many different aspects of life. It really does. Not just human interaction and relationships, but artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence. Let's jump right in. Okay, so Chad GPT, I think, isn't that what we talked about at book club where I got so worked up? Is that that right? Yeah. Okay, so I am an English teacher by trade when I'm not being mom. Mm-hmm. That's my back, that's my career. Yeah. And um, when I think about, so we were sitting in Tracy's living room at book club, and one of our friends was talking about her discovery of chat GPT, mm-hmm. and Tracy was telling me about what this well the first friend was telling me what it was and I got worked up and Tracy was saying but it's actually a great learning tool because what can happen is students can use it to write their papers mm-hmm. and I was so worked up because I said no 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 first of all that's cheating second of all where is the um where is the instruction and understanding of sentence structure and I mean, I had a whole list of things I did not like about chat GPT. And I was judgmental. Like I hardcore stopped that, right? I, I, was, I was judgmental. I did not ask any questions. And fortunately, Tracy loves me enough to look past my judgment and she started to explain. And the more I heard her, and because I am naturally a curious person, my ears were open to that. Like, my mind was willing to hear what you were going to share, even though I placed that judgment. And the more she shared, the more I asked. And then I became curious about it. And now I've changed my opinion. Mm-hmm. I still have some hesitations, right? Like, I'm, I want to play it safe and do the old school. But um, at the same time, I would be open to learning more. But that, again, is an example of judgment versus curiosity. Fortunately, I I have practiced a curious mindset and was willing to be open to listening to you instead of saying, nope, 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 I'm done. This is a really great topic. So to back up, those of you that don't know what chat GPT is, Google it. I think it is the coolest thing ever. Um, coolest in a very like evolutionary term. I'll, I'll just put it out there that way. Um, I have had many conversations with educators about it and there are currently two schools of thought and I'm sure there's more, but there's two dominant schools of thought. Number one, block it, shut it down. Students shouldn't have access to this. And number two, wow, this could be a really powerful tool for learning. And I have recently had a conversation with a friend in which she's in some um, coursework um, in a doctoral program, and they spent some time investigating this idea of ChatGPT. Now, it is artificial intelligence, just as a high level, so you know what we're talking about. Um, ChatGPT is artificial intelligence that will write a paper, letter, fill in the blank, any piece of text, it will generate text for you based on the criteria that you give it. So as an example, I could ask ChatGPT, please write a cover letter for a job with this title, including 
my one, two, three strengths and it will generate a letter for you. So I can give it a 30 second prompt with kind of the criteria I want it to create and it will create a letter for me in less than a minute. And what's interesting to me is that creates, so again, going back to people can judge right now and be like, that is wrong, that is cheating, that shouldn't happen. I hear that and I wonder when it comes to artificial intelligence, when it comes to technology, I choose to believe that it is only as good as the consumer who's using it. Yeah, it's like using those automatic flushing toilets <laughs> in the bathroom. Seriously. What? Yeah. You're going to have to make this connection. I am. Better. Okay, so <laughs> I'm, about to, I'm about to get TMI here. <laughs> I pay for the toilet seats. Okay. Yeah. And if you spend too much time papering the toilet seats, the toilet flushes. Yeah. So you have to start all over again. <laughs> it's only as good as the consumer. <laughs> now you go into the GPT, okay? You've given them the basics. There is no personality in that letter. There is no heart in that letter. There is no variation in that letter. The voice is very, very straight. So actually it's not. Oh my gosh, don't because, because I was on I was on board with you and now I'm I'm off. Because I can create an account and what ChatGPT is doing is it's analyzing my voice. It's analyzing um how I write. Because I have a certain voice in my writing that is different than your voice in your writing. And so what's interesting is again, the more advanced it gets, there's patterns no different than this podcast. I will, I find myself reflecting on my fillers. As an example, let, I, that brings me back to, that's a phrase that's I kind of parrot throughout our conversations. We say write a lot. Well, ChatGPT is picking up on those cues in our writing. What is my flow? What is my voice? What is the way that I write? No different than in an email. So right now, one of the former oh. versions of ChatGPT is it'll finish your sentence for you. Mm -hmm. In a text message, it'll give you words that, you know, like, I bet this is the word you're thinking of next. Or in an email, I bet this is how you want to finish this sentence and you just tab or enter mm -hmm. or whatever button you push and it finishes it for you. So in my school of thought around how we can use artificial intelligence and stay curious about how technology can be a tool to advance or improve what we do. It's taking away my need to use cognitive load for low level things. ChatGPT can create a skeleton of a cover letter for me. Now, my critical thinking now as a human has to kick in. Now I have to go back, I have to read through this letter, the skeleton that was created to me, now I'm going to think about what was left out of this letter or what would I change wordsmith. That's what I was referencing when I said it's very straightforward. It's, mm -hmm. It is just very... It's cut and dry. Yes. And yeah. there, there's... Yes, it might pick up on your patterns, but it, it, it is going to be void of your personality. I would agree with that. And it's no different than, um, than using spell check, grammar check. Yep. Right? Yep. Because I have a, spe a specific style 
when it comes to the use of commas mm-hmm. or semicolons. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use them intentionally. And uh, one of the things I struggled with when I was learning to use Microsoft Word as a writer, you know, I mean, we're talking 2000, mm-hmm. um, was this grammar correct would tell me that was wrong. And then I had to stop and say, is that wrong? And then I learned how to use that grammar correct and recognize that this is not actually a higher power telling me this is wrong. This is a machine mm-hmm. that was programmed with mm-hmm. somebody else's opinion. Mm-hmm. And now they're passing, and now or, they're passing judgment on me. And or so the rules that have been main, uh, the rules that have been accepted in mainstream writing. So Natalie and I are both believers in the Oxford comma. It makes it so much easier to be her friend. <laughs> and everyone doesn't use an Oxford comma. And there was a comma before that. <laughs> Which, in, in the school of comma usage, there are two camps. And those who prefer an Oxford comma tend to be judgmental over those who don't use an That's Oxford so funny comma. because my, my comment was going to be, yes, there are two camps. There are those who are right and those who are wrong. And I so, am correct in this one. So this is a space in which Natalie perhaps lives in a mindset of judgment because there's a right or yeah. wrong. Well, However, I don't... <laughs> others might be curious and think about, huh. How does the Oxford comma support the reader in understanding... Oh, gosh, my teacher voice is coming up. Um, but truly, like, I, I going back to ChatGPT, how do we stay curious? And perhaps we're going to hit a limit, right? There's Amazon stores that are 100% run by robots now. The whole thing is creepy. I, that is, that's a judgmental comment. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll get curious about it, but just superficially, it's kind of creepy. So here's my next question. Do we live in judgment when we're uncomfortable? Oh, yeah. Rather than being curious to expand our thought process. 100%. We do. So and the idea of an Amazon store being run well, solely by robots, perhaps is a scary thought. It's Well, so I think a couple of things. Um... One, I say that we live in judgment, I'm, but I, I'm still curious. Like, I'm saying no. I'm saying this is creepy. I'm done. I draw the line. But I'm, I am curious. In my head, I'm, I'm wondering. Um, but then I also think that it's – this This is another thing I struggle with. I think it's really unfortunate that so many uh, opportunities to accomplish a task – have been um, given to robots. I think that's unfortunate. But isn't the reason we've given it to robots is because we're we're reducing the low level cognitive tasks that a robot can do. Mm. And now can we use humans for the higher level, the emotional intelligence? The sides of evolution and make us better as a species. Yeah, but I think that, um, I don't know if I want to answer this question. I don't think it is to be answered. I I don't think it is to be answered. I think it's something to be pondered. I think it's something for ourselves and our listeners to get curious about of 
When you think about how technology has changed our lives, how many of you would leave your cell phones at home for an entire weekend? It's quiet here. We're both like, <laughs> that would be a dumb idea. But I do have no problem turning it off, putting it away, putting it in a different room when I'm with someone that I really want to be engaged with. Oh my gosh, the first book we read for our book club was about... Did I read it? No. I don't think I did. Go you ahead. Did <laughs> I'm not going to tell people what the book is because I don't want to give anything away, but it, it involves a woman leaving her cell phone at home for an entire... I think two weeks mm. and nobody could ever imagine that somebody would do that mm -hmm. why not it's because it's become a tool for us to be more efficient in getting from point a to point b right this is my gps sure. my car isn't my gps anymore i don't have a gps system in my car i have it on my phone and it's my way of communicating with people. I don't rely on a landline anymore. Now I can communicate with anyone whenever I want to. It also is a means for me to read books, listen to podcasts, right? So my phone has become this tool, albeit in extreme side at times in which I have to intentionally walk away from it. But that evolution if we didn't have the Steve Jobs of the world, if we didn't have people who were truly curious about what could be, we would still be, I mean, we would still be back in lighting candles for light, creating fires for heat mm -hmm. and to cook. Sure. And now I'm walking around with the world in my pocket, literally. Well, you're not wearing pants with pockets. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> I don't have any pockets in my, okay. my outfit, but, um, because they didn't have them in 2002. <laughs> well, See? okay. Curiosity. How do we evolve? Oh and now sweatpants and yoga pants have, have pockets. pockets. I know. This would not have happened if someone wasn't curious. So I just installed a lane line in my house. So I have all these children. And I just don't know that I'm ready to put a phone in their hands because, like Tracy says, we have the world in our our hand. Um, and while I don't want to deprive my children of access to the world, I don't necessarily think the world needs access to them at a young age. And so one of our choices has been to hold off on giving our children phones. Well, I do want them to have the opportunity to communicate still. And so they have other tools at their disposal, including uh, uh, they have Chromebooks that the school gave them, and so they're able to email their friends. Um, that We have an iPad at home, and they're welcome to use our phone so they can FaceTime or message that way. Um, and then we have installed a landline and so now they can communicate with others with the landline um, i even told my 11 year old that she could have a cordless phone and she could walk around the house mm -hmm. with it like it was a cell phone mm -hmm. so she can still communicate and they still have access to emergency contacts if mm -hmm. needed and um so there are points in evolution in which we have to make a choice and potentially go back to things that worked. Yeah. For safety, security, whatever that might be. Well, and also, um, I think we can 
it's, it's like opening Pandora's box, mm-hmm. right? Um, which, don't let me forget that this goes back to people too, okay? Mm-hmm. So we can open Pandora's box and realize, oh man, we didn't want that. Yeah. And so now we do have to backtrack. And mm-hmm. I think that that can take, I mean, we've had plenty of um, uh, examples of that set with like medicine, right? And different strains of viruses yeah. and, and different, um, the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. Okay, nuclear warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole bunch of things where it's like, oh yeah, we explored that. Maybe we need to go back a bit. Yeah, yeah. and so maybe we need to control that a little bit because humans can be their own worst enemies. Right, and so um, this is just a very, very superficial discussion of why we are choosing what we chose, but we have gone back a mm-hmm. little bit because mm-hmm. we find that there's value mm-hmm. in a more simpler. Mm-hmm lifestyle. I have free, a landline. Free from the rest of the world. Like yeah. we do not think we need that right now with yeah. everything else that's going on. Okay, yeah. so now going back to people in Pandora's box and mm-hmm. saying we need to be curious. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get too far into that. Sometimes I know too much about somebody that it like, oh maybe I didn't want not that <laughs> maybe not that I, I didn't want to know their story, but now I'm invested. Well, now you I can't also you can't unlearn that. Right. Now I'm you in, know, you know. N- now I'm invested mm-hmm. and it's harder to set a boundary. Mm. Yeah. I I'm had learning woman- that with my or I'm learning that. I am teaching that to my children too. Like my kids and I have a very open relationship and we have lots of conversations and I'm so grateful that we have that t- type of relationship. And there have been moments in which I'm like that's great. I think I'm good. I don't think I need to know all of the details about all of the things. And part of that is modeling boundaries and that you don't have to share everything that happens in your life, that it can still be your life and there can be that separation too. Because oversharing is also a thing. So getting curious and oversharing are not the same thing. Just and you guys, clear. I overshare. Obviously, I told you about the toilets. <laughs> but I do you know why I overshare? It goes back to my own insecurities of... Maybe they're passing judgment Hmm. and they're not going to be curious enough to ask the questions. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to share everything Mm -hmm. so then they understand. Mm -hmm. But then do you know what's happening? They're probably passing judgment on my (laughs) oversharing. (laughs) Boundaries. Boundaries. I know. See, this is why the human experience is so complex. So there's one other piece that came up as we were talking about ChatGPT, as we were talking about technology, as we were talking about the evolution of our world and our species. Um, This, to my core, this conversation is perhaps why, to my core, I believe education is so fundamental. And education in the regard of how are you a consumer of this world Mm, and of the things. And that is very different than Learning Shakespeare. That's very different than (laughs) teaching to a test. Yes. It is very different. Um, I remember... Okay, so you'll appreciate this. My oldest had the world's greatest kindergarten teacher. Mm -hmm. So, Melissa, if you're listening. All kindergarten teachers are the best. Okay. Tracy was a kindergarten teacher. (sighs) We are amazing. Were you just a kindergarten teacher? (laughs) It's a different podcast for a different day. So... Anyway, um, she posted something on Facebook about how um, everyone expects teachers to have, to, to take it all on. Mm-hmm. I had never thought of this before. Cece, my oldest 
was her student and it was our first experience with kindergarten we actually didn't do preschool and that's another conversation but um i had never had an experience with public public education or education in general outside of our house mm-hmm. um and so uh to to consider that was new to me mm-hmm. and uh, some examples that were given in this article that she had shared were um Teachers are being asked to teach kids basic manners, mm-hmm. basic life skills, mm-hmm. um, basic inter- uh, social skills. Mm-hmm. And I was so surprised because in my head I thought, I mean, for me, we, we taught our children how to push their chair in when they leave the table, um, how to wait their turn, um, how to wash their hands, uh, what are some, even just basic social skills. And granted, my kids had siblings, which made it easier to practice social skills, but we put them in social settings too, where it was, okay, if you're not going to share, well then we're not going to play with that toy in front of, or with all these people. Or, um, if you're not going to be kind, they're not going to want to play with you. You know, there's consequences and there are certain behaviors that are going to offer more success and more positive consequences than others. Okay, so going back to teaching life skills and being curious about the world, I did not realize how many people do not want children or do not put an emphasis on children or human beings in general um, exploring the world. Instead, they say, we just need to know that you can read, you can write, you can do but not just read and write. You need to be able to read and interpret it this way. Yes. You need to be able to write, but do it this way. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to do math, but do it this way and mm-hmm. get these answers. Mm-hmm. And so that is the... That's um, a really long... like. No, I think that's very well said. And what I'm going to add to that conversation is that what you isolated of the things you taught within your family is centered around being... I mean, a a white family, a Eurocentric mindset, which when I say that, I'm not saying that's bad. No, but I hadn't thought about that. But I'm saying there's a much bigger happening, a much bigger situation happening in our schools and the amount of judgment that's happening at every level. Parents judging other parents, teachers judging parents, parents judging teachers, and then, I mean, I can keep going into administration and teachers what we're judging teaching. And teachers judging administrators, administrators judging pe- teachers, teacher education judging mm-hmm. parents, right? Like, the judgment is, I mean, it is toxic and it is everywhere. And it goes back to what you said. I want kids to learn reading in this way. I want kids to learn writing in this way. I want kids to learn math in this way. Here's the deal, folks, and this is Thoughts by Tracy, and no one needs to agree with me, but Thoughts by Tracy are, if we want to be that rigid and that rote, we are missing an opportunity to create curious humans when we have them in school more than their parents have access to yes, them. Yes, 100%. Well, so this drives me nuts because I've got two girls, and they're both very kind, inclusive, um, caring individuals, right? But they are different personalities. One of them is very compliant. She's very coachable. Like mm-hmm. it, It's offered her a lot of success. Mm-hmm. And so you tell her... Because we are a society praised for being compliant. Right. So you tell her to do something a certain way, and she does it. The other one, she couldn't conform if she tried. Mm-hmm. Like she, There is not a fiber of her being mm-hmm. that can do what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. She has to be her own person. Which is amazing. But 
we want them to grow up to be critical thinkers. Mm-hmm. And she's critical thinking mm-hmm. at the age of five, and we're telling her she's doing it wrong. Right. Because we created a environment, a society in which compliance is the right answer. In, in complying, conform. Well, and so at that point, we have told our children to hold off on the curiosity. Mm-hmm. I have said that so, is how we as a society have become judgmental. Yeah. I and I think of it as I reflect on my years in education in that industry, I can say with 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 zero hesitation, curiosity is often taught out of kids by second grade. Oh yeah, curiosity kills a cat. <laughs> Why would we be curious if it's gonna kill us? One of my favorite things to do with students is to create with structures um, a debate scenario. And you take a neutral topic that has two sides. Sure. And the thing that I love in that scenario, and I've used this with every level of student, from first graders all the way to seniors in high school. I do it in college. And what's fascinating is they do change their opinions throughout that conversation. Mm -hmm. When someone is arguing from evidence and they are sharing facts, a lot of times students will be so curious that they're like, wait a second, maybe I don't disagree anymore. Maybe I agree now. And there's just this beautiful ebb and flow that happens. And so I think I've said this in a previous podcast of not that I'm putting (laughs) the weight of the world on the shoulders of this next generation, However, what I see in students, what I see in my own children, is this space to live in a curious mindset and how I'm not sure what's quote unquote right or wrong because they live in, maybe it isn't right or wrong. It's in this moment it is. And how do we just really honor the different opinions, the different ways of being raised, the different family units, the different um, beliefs and values, and with that creates a stronger humankind instead of using those differences as divisive tools. Mm -hmm. But as I think about how we're bringing all these students together in a society that hasn't come together, we're seeing things happen in schools And we need to get curious about how does the structure, how does the system of school support us as a society to grow? Mm -hmm. Yeah, somebody had shared with me a concept that seems pretty black and white, um, pretty common sense, but I hadn't actually thought of it or embraced it. Um, when When we get into various moments in life, we do need to stop and ask ourselves, what is fact and what is fiction? Mm-hmm. And so when you're experiencing an insecurity, what is fact and what is fiction? Mm-hmm. What is actually happening on and what are you creating? Mm-hmm. But then that goes into that curiosity versus judgment. What is fact? What is fiction? Mm-hmm. Because you may not be a creative writer, okay? But if you're going to not be curious, you have created a story in your head. You have mm-hmm. you have decided mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all do this. We create fiction. Yeah, is it, it's... Well, there's that. I know. (laughs) I don't even know what more to say about that. Right. Well, I think the moral, the lesson, right? We haven't really figured out what our ending. Well, I don't think we need an ending. (laughs) But it is, 
really, I mean, really to our listeners, getting curious when you have that gut moment in which you want to judge another mom, a family, a kid, right? We judge kids so much. Um, But really when you have that gut moment in which you feel judgment towards someone else or about something, being aware of that gut reaction and the the desire or the need to judge Mm -hmm. and giving yourself permission to get curious and to think about how might I engage with this person or this situation differently if I come from a space of curiosity instead of a space of judgment. And before we can do that, we have to be willing to grow because Mm -hmm. we have to recognize, is my gut reaction a learned reaction. Yeah, it's conditioning. It's so much, it's so And much so then those neural pathways creating a new neural pathway. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, if you are intentional, you can practice those new behaviors mm-hmm. and evolve. I'm not saying it's easy. There's another side. I'm not <laughs> telling you it's going to be easy, but it will be worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank you for this conversation. Yeah, thank you. To be continued. To be continued.